I find it's pretty easy to avoid conflict. I kind of stockpile the issues until it gets really big, and then I feel like I'm ready to talk. But the irony is, that's actually when I'm least ready to talk. As soon as I open my mouth, I know it's not going to go well. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an intriguing podcast for you this week. This is episode number 122, and today we're going to be talking about one of those things that we are all doing wrong in marriage, which is avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. Hey there. Before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed why emotional intimacy is the key to great sex. So it's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, a blueprint of sorts for a successful marriage, and most of all, we offer hope. So let's mm-hmm. get into this topic of bottling stuff up in marriage. I just know right. that for me sometimes, I find myself like you kind of catalog a list of issues up, like you get this kind of mm-hmm. pile going, and then you realize, you know what, this is actually going to come out as way too much stuff at once. I didn't even think you did this. I thought I did it. Well, I think... Maybe I'm lucky because I catch myself in, in my head and it's like, you know, it's way too big to swallow, swallow yeah. what I'm asking her to swallow, right? So it you kind of realize it's not going to go well and then, ah, I don't know. But what okay. it, I think what leads a person down this trail is like you're villainizing the other person because you're trying to make your case as strong as possible so you can convince mm-hmm. them that they need to change because yes. you are the problem, Verlinda. That's no, what no, no, you no. need you're to understand. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got a very long list to support this idea. Yeah, yeah. I need you to sit and listen and then change at the end of our discussion. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. Well, I think if people just approached it that way. (laughs) Then there'd be no marriages left. You know, we could be calm. We could rationalize. Give me a break. You don't think that's going to work? No. Okay. You just tell me how terrible I am. And then at the end, I'll go, oh, yes, dear, let me change. Okay. See, I I knew this would work. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So if anybody out there is doing that and that works for you, let us know. We'll send a documentary crew over. (laughs) Right away. And we'll probably put you in a museum or a zoo somewhere because like this is the only couple in the world this is working for. So rather than addressing the little things that we need to, these things kind of build up, right? Yeah. And so the first thing I want to talk about is that avoiding conflict actually leads to more conflict. Okay. And so I want to start that by asking you, our listener, to consider if you might have what's called an avoidance orientation in your relationship, which means your kind of position or your perspective is that you try to avoid conflict. Conflict. Mm-hmm. So it just means that you're trying to avoid conflict during conversations. A study from 2015 showed that intimate relationships with an avoidance orientation may experience communication difficulties and the perpetuation of avoidance, which okay. just means they go on to continue avoiding stuff, right? What these researchers did is they looked at 365 couples and they found out that if you're more avoidant of issues, you'll end up being more reactive to your spouse's negative behavior. So... Because you're still stockpiling all your arguments against them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're more likely to explode when the difficult discussion happens because you've been avoiding to this point. So that energy is kind of, the way I look at it is that that negative energy is building up, right? Mm -hmm. 
and your poor spouse comes along with the, you know, the pin prick, which is very small. <laughs> Explosions. Yes. Pops the balloon. Mm-hmm. So basically, if if you think that avoiding tough topics and just keeping things calm is a good idea, and, and we all admittedly, we all do this to some degree. The research shows, and our experience probably resonates with this, that avoiding these issues actually leads to less productive discussions when you finally start talking about what matters. Okay. And what's interesting is when they researched this, they found that this observation was independent of relationship satisfaction and neuroticism, which is important to note because what it's saying is it doesn't matter how good or how poor your marriage is, avoidance isn't going to help. Okay. So it's not about the quality of a marriage. Yeah. And the second thing is that when they say it's independent of neuroticism, they're saying that this is not about one spouse being a nutcase. So it doesn't even matter that you're neurotic. Or that you're a complete (laughs) irrational spaz, right? Not that I was calling you... What? Not that I was calling you a complete (laughs) irrational spaz. It's just simply a matter of technique that we use in our marriages that just, it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's the part I really want you to hear, Verlinda. Sorry, I've been hoping to say that for a long time, but I finally (laughs) just got it out. (laughs) Now, I think, you know, just to normalize a bit, why, I get why we do this. We want to keep the peace. We don't want to upset our spouse. We don't want to rock the boat. We say things like happy wife, happy life. And it, and if that means keep silent, don't complain, then that's what we do, right? But all over the Bible, we are told both to forgive and to exhort each other. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, we're really called to confront each other in a loving way. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians, we're told to speak the truth in love. In Colossians, we're told to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Now, these are in church context, but this is yeah. needed in our, our most personal relationships too, right? Gary Thomas, whose books I really like, he talks about this in his book, Sacred Marriage. And he points out that the purpose of marriage is to make us holy, not make us happy. And when we avoid topics that we need to be talking about, we're thwarting one of the purposes of marriage, which is personal growth and sanctification. Mm. So not only is it not working out, it's also unbiblical. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Now, before we get to how we're going to stop this kind of bottling up that we're doing, let's just talk about why we avoid conflict in marriage. That's because we don't want to fight. Sorry, why don't you tell us why yes. we avoid conflict in marriage? <clears throat> this is where I put in my studious voice. The research says, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got your eyebrows out like I'm in trouble. All right, I'll just keep going here and avoid any potential conflict. <laughs> so there are a number of reasons why we do this. Research has shown that uh, poor marital satisfaction is one reason. Marital. Marital. Marshall. Poor marital <laughs> satisfaction is one reason. Okay. Um, it's kind of like, Say things aren't happy, but we almost prefer to keep the evidence of what's wrong with the other person to ourselves rather than challenge the status quo. Oh, okay. It's like you're you're making the case, right? Mm-hmm. Depression can be another reason why we avoid conflict. It's kind of like the why bother thing. Maybe there's self there's defeating thoughts. It's no point bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know a person's they feel their self worth is diminished, so we don't assert on behalf of ourselves or our needs. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of clam up there too. Another reason could be relational uncertainty. If I bring this up, I might lose him or her, mm-hmm. I might lose my spouse. And another reason might be generalized anxiety, which is we'll just sort of continue to fret over the issues and even fret over the possibility of talking about them and not actually do it because we're stuck in the anxiety, right? Okay. So a study from 2000 looked... At, just saying, but I think those pretty much all mean that we just don't want to fight. Yes. So I'm glad the research supports... You. Yes. Yes. Moving right along. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me see if I can find more research that supports you, honey. (laughs) (laughs) So a study from 2000 looked at the relationship between depression, marital satisfaction, and the couple's use of avoidance and attacking conflict resolution strategies. And they found that depressive symptoms were significant predictors of avoidance in husbands and wives. So whether it's a husband or a wife, if there's depressive symptoms, they're more likely to avoid. 
Okay. Conflict and habit. Okay. And they found that poor marital satisfaction was a significant predictor of avoidance in husbands. Okay. Yeah. So when you see me avoiding conflict like I am today. <clears throat> I feel so sorry for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the ideal outcome. But I think in all seriousness, though, the latter, like where husbands tend to avoid when there's low marital satisfaction, it's yeah. just part of that common pattern of husband and wife where they withdraw attack. Oh, Typically, okay. the husband yeah. falls into the withdrawing and the, the wife is in the pursuing or attacking position. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that withdrawing is going to look like avoidance. Right. Makes sense. So that, that kind of touches those things. On the anxiety and uncertainty side of things, another study looked at couples that were reuniting after military deployment and the returning service members described issues that they avoided discussing when they reunited with their spouse and over the first three months of homecoming. Yeah. And the researchers found that when generalized anxiety was present, the service member would be willing to discuss the deployment, like the past, but was more likely to be reluctant to talk about reintegration issues and the couple's relationship, like what's happening right now. Oh, okay. Um, Which is really interesting. And they also noted that individuals who experienced more relational uncertainty reported more topic avoidance. So again, that makes sense too. It totally does, right? And that's why I say, let's not be hard on ourselves here. Mm-hmm. because when you're not certain, you don't want to make things worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Or you don't know what's going to happen if you do bring it up. Yes. But the challenge here is that the desire to not make things worse leads to not addressing what needs to be addressed. Okay. Or it leaves you stuck. And then you're carrying around the stuff that's irritating you. Or Yes. And to be blunt, what you're trying to do to save your marriage is not working. Mm. that's the problem, right? Okay. And I know what folks are probably thinking, which is, well, the last time we tried to talk about it, it just got worse and I was on the couch for like three weeks, right? (laughs) So I get that too. Mm -hmm. But here's what I suggest. Not talking about it is not working. Mm -hmm. Talking about it is not working. So let's change how you talk about it because you can't really change how you don't talk about it because you're just not doing (laughs) it, right? (laughs) So let's change how you talk about it. And to do that, let's change how you look at these issues. And this is where I hope to pivot to, you know, how we can move forward when we want to address things, but not always have conflict, right? Okay. And I think what's really helpful here is to look at the issues in terms of what Dr. John Gottman calls solvable and perpetual conflict. So solvable conflict is conflict that can be resolved through positive problem solving styles or skills. In other words, you just need skills in order to successfully solve these issues. Oh, okay. Yeah. These are solvable yeah. issues, okay? And and the great thing is because they're skills, anybody can learn the skills. And by the way, folks, for those of you that are listening that may be new to listening to our podcast, we Teach these skills in our Talk to Me 101 course. That course is just $97 right now. It'll be a huge help to your marriage if you need the basic skills that we're talking about. And you can learn more about that course at talktome101.com. So there's solvable conflict, okay? Yeah. Now, the other kind of conflict that he talks about is perpetual conflict, which refers to problems that cannot be solved. And these occur when there's fundamental differences in values, assumptions, or dreams. For example, let's say one spouse dreams with dying with his boots on and running the cattle ranch and like he's just full bore. He wants to die on the go. Yeah. And the wife wants to spend the golden years by the lake, just being quiet and enjoying friends and doing puzzles, you know, kind of away from the pressure of the farm. Now I can tell which boat you're in because the wife is doing puzzles and being quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And the man's drawing with his boots on. Uh, Clearly this wife has a problem. (laughs) All right. Keep going. Or say like, Say a couple gets married and and maybe they're fairly a religious when they get married, but over time, the fact that they have a difference in their 
religions comes out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And these are just, these are sources of perpetual conflict. So it's a really tough one, this perpetual conflict, because ultimately you can't solve the problem. Mm. They're just it's so just very different values, right? Okay. And and because this is the harder one to solve, for this episode today, we've created a practical exercise. It's in PDF format. It's available to our much appreciated supporters, to the patrons of our podcast. And downloading and using this exercise will teach you how to peacefully dialogue about these perpetual conflict issues. And you can get this uh, by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about solvable versus perpetual conflict. Now, mm-hmm. the thing to note here is that solvable versus perpetual is not about how long you've fought over it. Like perpetual means right. it's just defined by the extent of time. Yeah. And you may feel like all of your issues are perpetual because you've, you <laughs> you've been fighting out them as long as you've known each other. But perpetual conflict is defined by fundamental differences in values, assumptions, and dreams. Okay. Not by how long you've been fighting about it. Yeah. So don't be too quick to drop everything into that perpetual bucket and to throw your hands up in the air and back off. That's not what we want you to do here. So, but we do want you to get the things in the right bucket, whether they're solvable or perpetual. That's number one. Okay. Because you have to come at each of these two things differently. Mm-hmm. What? Well, like, I'm just trying to think of like a stupid little example, but say like leaving the toilet seat up is he has no problem. Like to him, it's just a toilet seat and she has a major issue with him not putting the toilet seat down. Like, is that going to be perpetual or solvable? Well, that's solvable unless they have like a value-based issue that's deeper that's around that where she maybe is a feminist and he is a, whatever the masculine version of that is, he thinks a man should be able to leave the seat up, right? He carries a patriarchal value system. Then if they refuse to budge on the values that underlie their decision to leave the toilet seat oh my dear in a particular position yeah it could be perpetual okay okay so that's a great question so it's the fundamental differences in values assumptions and dreams that makes it perpetual okay versus solvable okay so for solvable conflict here's the deal you want to use what's called positive problem solving and there was this really neat study in 2014 by Sheeran et al. where they looked at conflict and they said, okay, there's two ways to come at it. One is you can attack each other and the other is there's a positive problem solving style. And it's kind of obvious which one's the better one yes. just by the name. So not surprisingly, they found that for both men and women, marital quality increased when positive conflict resolution was used. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to Here's what worked for them. Here's what that positive conflict resolution looked like. It was avoiding personal attacks, insults, and loss of control. 
as in losing your temper. So avoid all that. Secondly, focus on the problem, constructively discussing differences Mm -hmm. and establishing agreements. So finding areas of commonality where you can agree. Okay, we agree agree. on this. We don't agree on this. Yes. And focusing on the problem, is that instead of like it becoming a focus on the person? Yeah, so no personal attacks. But I think it's also instead of jumping around 23 different things to try to make the case, it's also just staying with the one issue. one issue. Okay, okay. And then finding acceptable alternatives for both spouses, negotiating and compromising. Okay. So, and if, which if you think about this is part of... Communication skills. It is, yeah. But it's part of making it solvable. So let's say the toilet seat okay. issue, again, was not based on a fundamental difference in values about men and women's roles or whatever. Yeah. But it was just habits or something. So my compromise might be, you know what, I can make the effort to put the seat down. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. I can see it's more important to you than it is to me or something okay. like that, okay. right? Okay. So you have to be willing to give as well. And this is how you come at solvable conflict. You use these skills, you find a positive outcome, you look to build each other up, and you have to be willing to compromise. Makes sense. All good? Yep. Okay. Now, perpetual conflict, we deal with this in more detail in the the handout that's part of our patrons' private group. But just to touch on that, every marriage has some level of perpetual conflict. There are things that you never agree on, and we have this in our marriage too. What matters most in this situation is not whether these exist or not. What? What don't we agree on? Well, perpetual conflict areas would be inclusive of. (laughs) (laughs) Do I really want you to say that? Why do I sound like a scientist now? Uh We often disagree on spending and saving, balancing that out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, good enough. What? We don't need to tell everybody. Oh, no, we can hang it all out right here, baby. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. We do have that in our marriage. Yeah. And it's mostly Verlinda's problem, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah, everybody (laughs) believes you. So what matters in in terms of happy marriage, right, is not whether these issues exist or not. Because sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, you know what, we're never going to solve these. Therefore, we can never be happy. Therefore, we might as well just give up right now and pack it in, right? But here's what I want people to know is that everybody has these. And what matters is how you deal with them. Mm -hmm. So how is most important? And you need to learn to deal with these issues constructively. So given that they're perpetual, know that solving them is not the goal. That's not what we're trying to achieve here. Like, I'm not trying to get you onto my method of, or my view of money. That's good, because we'd be broke. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not even going to... Solving them is not the goal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for modeling how to deal with that issue constructively, by the way. (laughs) So the goal, now you all know why I'm the marriage therapist (laughs) in the family. The goal is to find a way to go on as a couple, like I just did. As a couple being... Your halo is tarnished a little. No, it's not. It's just fine. As a couple, being keywords there. So a way for mm-hmm. both of you to go on, right? Right. Okay. And so you're looking for ways to dialogue about your different subjective realities. Like you have different ways of looking at it, different ways of seeing it, right? Yep. Find a way to talk about those and turn away from attempts to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Trying to find solutions is just going to leave you stuck all the time because there is no solution. So okay. instead it becomes about how you can honor these differences and continue to get along. Okay. Right. So, for example, we save money regularly and I spend it when you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, honoring these differences. So that's not necessarily compromising or like, how do you honor differences? Well, like in theory, you could say, OK, I honor the fact that you like to spend. Yeah, I can say that I can honor that. But in reality, no, you can't buy that. Well, sometimes you have to be willing to give a little. So that's what I mean. So this may be compromising. 
It may include compromising, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is, like in this particular case, what I chose to do was to put the saving part first, because that was my extension. That was my, me extending goodwill towards you. Plus it makes good sense anyways, right? Uh And so I can, for me, it's like, well, that's in place. So, you know, this actually can be used, this money over here, right? And then we can have some discussions and it makes, I think it makes it easier for you to compromise. Okay. Okay. That's how that particular So it's learning how to get along with it as a couple. Yeah, to honor those different parts. And couples have this in all different areas of their lives. And it just really becomes searching for what is different about your position. Can I honor or find a way to show respect towards? Okay. Right? And, And when that's reciprocated, then it's like, okay, we don't need to be the same. Right. We can be individuals. Yes. That's what you mean by the same. And there's so many other things that we do overlap on and agree about that there's plenty, you know, this is not a disruptor for our marriage. Yeah. So yeah, again, if you want a practical exercise and help on that, become a patron of our podcast at OIF.link support. But just remember that the point here, the core point here is to find a way to go on as a couple. How can we honor the differences that can't be resolved? And then at the same time, we want to acknowledge as much of what we do share as we can. Mm-hmm. So this is the other thing is if you think about the, the differences, right? Often we try to make the different area appear as big as possible because we're trying to really protect a very small core. Right. And if I make it bigger, it's more convincing to you is what I think. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you boil it down and show just that essential core of what you're trying to protect and you guys are respectful about this. It'll be easier to honor that. And then you'll see that you actually have far more, far less differences than you thought you had because you've made that area small. Yes. Yes. Make sense? Yeah, that does. All right. Let's wrap up here. All righty. So first of all, again, just a thank you to our patrons and to those of you who support us on a regular basis. We really do appreciate that and your ongoing support, especially as we've uh, taken a break and then brought the podcasting back online here, back onto a, a regular schedule. Mm-hmm. And we also want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes recently. Do you want to okay. do these, Pam? Yeah. So this week we have a review from, oh boy, E. Logan. 107. Five stars. Sound teaching and advice. Thank you so much for these podcasts. I am a runner and listen to these while running alone. I love them and they have been incredibly helpful for my marriage as well as others because I always try to share certain ones with friends that are going through those particular things. Thanks again from Evan Logan and also another one from Super Scutera. Really good. Five stars. I'm really enjoying this podcast and on top of that, learning a lot about my marriage. The best thing about this podcast is that I give you real practical things you can do to help improve your marriage. Thanks, guys. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for leaving those reviews. We know it takes time and effort. iTunes doesn't make it easy, but we appreciate that very much. Next week for Linda, we're going to be starting a series of three to four episodes on abuse in marriage. Mm -hmm. The first one is about, is my husband abusive? So are we going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's really neat when they write in and it's like, this has been helpful for my marriage. Or I'm learning a lot about my marriage. It's not just they're taking facts and, oh, yes. yeah, that's interesting. Like but they're it's actually like, doing something. Yeah, like, this yeah, works. Good job, people. Mm-hmm. Keep doing that. And telling us about it. Exactly. Two. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 122 and find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. 
a minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.